In the following live session recording, Mary McDonald, a freelance composer, talks about accompanist, a team sport. The listener will learn practical tips for accompanists, working with a director, reading cues, communication, expectations, and relationships. Let's join Mary now. Well, talking about accompanying, this is such an interesting uh, facet to what we do because we all do it. it, it is, it's an integral part to who we are as church accompanists, but as I was stressing in the last class, it's equal to, it's not, it's not like you're the, uh, the caboose on the engine of the, the church music train. You're an integral part. And right at the end, the engine of what's driving it, because if you think about it, where would they be without you? How would a choir sing if they didn't have an introduction? Where would the soloist be if she didn't hear her pitch? Which reminds me, once I was doing a wedding in my own hometown, I'm from Knoxville, Tennessee, and uh, this guy didn't want to practice. He said he was superstitious about practicing the solo before the wedding. <laughs> and I said, okay, but I am not, and I need to practice it, so I'm gonna play, and if you wish to sing or hum along, so I play. He was singing Dan Fogelberg's Longer. How many of you remember Longer from like 1987? you remember that piece at all? It was kind of, well, it was called the longest intro. It's so appropriately called Longer because the intro is an hour long. And so I go through this whole intro, and I'm da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And got to my little rehearsal of it while they were doing their lighting, the candle and all this sort of thing. Came to the wedding, and his name was Doug. I played the introduction. I'm on the organ doing this introduction. He can't find his pitch. And I go, because the chords move around in that longer introduction. And he was so discombobulated. So he starts in, and I'm gradually crescendoing the organ. I'm pulling buttons, stops, trying to give him just G unison. Oh. I'm almost a full organ going, you know, and he's going, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> and there's another girl singing, she's going, mm. <laughs> 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 it was a mess, and I thought, oh, the nightmares, the wedding nightmares, mm -hmm. accompanying soloists and accompanying groups to sing. Have you ever accompanied soloists, and they're not on the same page as you, and you're going, well, what has happened to our music? And you realize that they've turned too many pages and they're a page over, or they're singing a different verse than you rehearsed. Has that ever happened yes. to you? Is it just me that having yeah. nightmares? Oh, yeah. And it's just trying. You think, oh, we rehearsed this, it went so well. And, and every now and then they'll give you a photocopy that you lay out on the piano, and I've learned to put things in notebooks and in sheet protectors because I didn't early on, and I didn't realize that for the rehearsal, the air wasn't on, but when, the, when it came time for the wedding, somebody kicks on the air, and the papers just start. It's not just loose leaf. That can happen. I've had, I have music with, music. with mm -hmm. uh, just octavos. I've, I've got it sitting up there, and all of a sudden, part of it falls on the floor, and I'm like, have you ever been playing and, yeah. uh, and all of a sudden you're going, <laughs> oh, yes. yes. <laughs> Maybe it won't stay open. Are you doing like this? <laughs> I've done that too. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> and then you're, yes. <laughs> the combination, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, there's so many challenges that happen to us as companies. And these kind of things, I mean, they're just, they're, we could write a book. In fact, mm -hmm. I want to write a book. I would love to put a book down. It's just my own travails, but I know that there's, Plenty that everybody has gone through playing for choirs and uh, and soloists, but soloists have been to me the worst. One of the worst 
for me was having to play for wedding songs that are the best friend mm -hmm. of the bride or groom. And they're just somebody that they know who said, I want to sing for wedding, I want to sing for but they can't sing for weddings, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? And mm -hmm. so you're sitting there and it's just it's just a little bit of a nightmare. Hey Lee, how are you? Um, are you coming to my class? Prepare to be wiser when you leave. There's a hand around the corner of the front of the table there. But anyway, it, it, she was a nightclub singer. She, she had a great style, but not to sing the music they had selected. And so it, it really cheesified the holy out of the whatever the song was. I can't remember, but I remember thinking it was given at the barroom feel. Uh, 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 I was like, holy ground. <laughs> I, I, I didn't know whether to put a beaker on the beach. We've, we've had these experiences at companies that you just don't anticipate. You never know. You don't see them coming. But it's all, it's been quite a journey. And looking back over the last several years, and especially in those early years when I didn't know better, and I did things like she was talking about the, the slide bar on the keyboard, something had fallen against it, and she's wondering why the key is wrong when she's playing. And there's a keyboard that has this little slide bar that goes, it's a tone bender. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. It's, and and yeah, the, what you said, it's bigger to fall against the tone bender. So she's like, why is this not working? Why is it working? But you don't know. One of my favorite stories was playing for a wedding of a friend of mine. And uh, bless his heart, his, his, I knew his dad and mom real well, but he wanted me to play. But he was a, his, his, the singing voice was very low. He was a low down bass. And the song that he was supposed to sing was too high for him to sing. And I didn't know it well enough by ear to where I could just transpose those sides. So I decided I was in a church that had the transposer button. You ever use that dreaded mm -hmm. button? Mm -hmm. yes. What a night. That will make you learn how to drink. That thing. So, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> it works in a Methodist seminar. It didn't work in that. <laughs> 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 we already know. But anyway, so I decided for his, I had to turn it in minus four tones to get it to wow. his pitch. And that works only when you remember When you to remember to turn it back. So, it, this again was early on, and I got it down, we got through his solo, but I forgot to crank it back plus mm -hmm. four tones. And now it's time for the bride to make the processional. And they're all they're just one bridesmaid and then her, so they're all coming into the bridal march. So I start with this dum 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 dum. And I, I go, oh no, this is too low. So I go, try to dun 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 dun, turn the button, dun 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 dun, button. And it sounds like a ball game. I could just wait somebody to Because it was just it was getting faster and you know, she didn't know whether to stop her. <laughs> So, I don't know, all the nightmares of weddings, mm -hmm. they are fun. The challenges of playing for solos, but there's also, there's a wonderful spiritual connection to that because you're getting to play the music and you're getting to sing your solo through your hands. And I love that composite, bringing the two instruments together. Accompanists tend to sometimes feel like they're the guy in the background. Do you ever feel underappreciated mm -hmm. as an accompanist? You're, you have to be there as much as everybody else, but many don't even get paid. I'm amazed when I travel all over the country at how many pens that, oh honey, I played here 25 years, I've never gotten a penny for it. Many people expect, well, this is her gift, just like our singing gift, so she shouldn't be paid. Well, I kind of cringe at that, because you've, many of us have had lessons and we've taken the skill set to be able to do our craft, and then to find that you're not paid to do it, it's just unbelievable to me. But accompanying is a vital part, and that's kind of what the focus of this is. If you're looking for a little agenda, I have just some basics. That I wrote down. And um, in any of these things, if you think of more, this is just kind of coming off 
I sit on the airplane and kind of come up with these ideas, and sometimes it's, it could be the altitude that <laughs> <laughs> I never know. But anyway, uh, some of the basics, I think, is number one, and one of the most, first and foremost, is to be able to see the director, have a good eyesight. And sometimes the positioning is not to where it's, it's, it's horrible. And, and they don't understand you can't do it. <laughs> you can't play this way and see can't music. the music and watch the Have you ever gone home and you thought, oh my gosh, my neck. And, my, and it's just a matter of reshuffling the piano. We, we had this in a, a couple of workshops where I thought the piano's going to have to be turned because you can't, you can't play because then you're totally having to readjust to the cycling of the music. So make sure that your logistics are such that you have a good eyes because in a choir rehearsal or watching a solo or anything, you are watching them about as much as you are the music. And if you get too far, you're going to lose your place in the music because we'll try, at least try, try playing when you've got teenagers standing between you and the director. Oh, and for you concert, do this for a concert, no <laughs> yeah. less. I'm going to say part the waters for right. and, the and you part it in rehearsal, but mm -hmm. they'll gather the water back. And and every, every song, they are moving constantly. <laughs> <laughs> been there, oh, have been there many times. And, and the other problem, sometimes the director doesn't gesture large enough for you to see in your peripheral. And so it's all, he's trying to do this whole thing, but you can't see or know where the beat is or when to enter. And, and it, it, it can cause an issue. So I would say to try to get yourself positioned in the sanctuary and in the choir room, mostly in the choir room where you can see. Well, a lot of people now are using iPads. Are any of you doing that, uploading well, music? I keep I have them. I'm not doing it right now, but I'm Are you familiar with what that looks like? Some of you, I, I tell you, I'm an advocate for it. And Jay Rouse is the one that got me started doing this. He, he uses these all the time, I mean, um, There's a program that you can, uh, an app called Fourscore that I think is, is just one of the Wonderful. best. Yes. But it puts your music, it looks... Just I mean, that looks better than it. Yeah. Now see, I wish I had a padlet that size. Mine is I nine see. and a half. Well, I, yeah, yeah. The older you get, the bigger the padlet. What is the app? Well, only if you It's called four, four score. Four number or the word? The word F O R E S C O R E. It is a wonderful program. And uh, it's it's easy to upload the music. I have people calling me all the time <clears> as a writer of the music and say, "Can you just send me the files? I'll, I'll own the music." but I want to just be able to put it on my iPad for my Mr. Millis. And the good thing about for the pianist is you can turn the pages with the control and you don't have to, or you can you can just, you know, the, the <laughs> and it flips like that. Now Jay still does that and seeing his concerts, he'll, he'll flip it, but I use a foot pedal because mm -hmm. it's easier. I was doing a duet with Joel Rainey. Uh, we were, I think it was last year's Allegro, you were there, right? We, we were doing the offertory from our, uh, our book over here and we used my iPad because neither of us had the music, but Joel had never used the program before. And he was sitting to the right side, and I had turned one, but I couldn't turn the next. And when he reached up, he, he did something like that, and all, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> he closed the whole program in back. He hit something else, and the next thing I know, my, I saw mail. I went, I just stop. And so he, he keeps doing the little thing, and I'm over there trying to close the mail, open the iPad. It was a nightmare. So we were, we were at dinner afterwards, and I said, uh, I said, you have never used that part. He said, no, I had no idea what I was doing. I said, well, leave it, don't touch it. Step away from me. <laughs> so he was telling me about doing a concert. He lives in Chicago, and he said he was doing a program uh, with a men's choir, and the organist, they were both using one of his units that wasn't printed, so they were both on iPads. The organist used the iPad as well. 
but his battery died. How oh, to do that? And they had practiced all afternoon with the men's choir, had rehearsal, and all of his music was iPad bound. And then they come to the offertory, they practiced it, everything was fine. But now his battery, he wasn't paying attention, didn't recharge before the concert. And he said, Joseph, we're playing along, and halfway through, I hear no organ. And I'm waiting, there's a moment where the piano's going to stop, the organ's going to play. And, I, and when I stopped, I said, he is there, and they had to keep playing. So there's some, I think there's a few things to work out about this program, but it's coming. And I almost think it's coming for choral music. I mean, I'm seeing more and more, especially in these men's choirs and do you jubilers. A good thing is the jubilers now are using iPads. Yeah. They're a whole lot less weighty. You know, and the best books. thing, we, we do a clinic uh, at Music Texas, in Music uh, Winter Texas, in the Doubletree Hotel where we are, we do premieres. But it is the darkest room. And last year, this last summer, I guess, we had a premiere there. and. So many of them, they asked Mr. Music, said, bring it on iPads. I've done premieres in there, you can't see. And the best part about that is this lights. You can brighten it as bright as you need it to be. And so even if you're in a dark room, you have a lit background. And it really makes it. Plus, you can make it larger. Have y'all seen that mm -hmm. you, you can enlarge the screen, but the music is as big as you want it to be? I yes. like the fact that it's easy to crop things in four scores. So whenever I get a piece of music, I just crop yeah. it up to the biggest it'll make it. Absolutely, and it, I, I think uh, there's a lot of publishers that do allow a download. Of, of, you know, once you purchase the music, you can do that. And I, I think it's more beneficial right now for the choir, for the accompanist, than it is maybe for the choir. And they're getting better all the time. Because you can now mark the music and retain the marking. You used to, you can mark it, but as soon as you close that page, the marking. So that's all, I just want to hit on that because it's probably coming, it may not affect you, but it, it might be something beneficial. I highly recommend this larger iPad. Mm. The small ones are just harder to read, and the larger one, um, 17 inches at least, is that what that size? It looks about 12 maybe. There's a small, I have the 8 or something. A 9 inch, yeah. But this, this bigger one is, is much better. I highly recommend it. And marking your scores, I just tapped on that just a moment ago, but I think that's important too. If you have, um, take time, we were talking about, um, she was talking about her time in practice and practicing the music. I think it's just as vital to take time to mark the score as much as you can because if we just play everything the same level of dynamic, we talked about that as well, but most of the music seems to fall, the churches I go to right here, it doesn't utilize the entire realm of dynamics. So, if you can mark the dynamics and start softer and go louder and just start practicing that at home of playing one hymn as soft as you can play it and get it as loud as you can go and then taper it down. Now that is a great little technique. I worried for hymns all day. Throw me a hymn title. I'm like, a rugged near the cross. What did you say? I said near the cross. She's old rugged and you're near. Where else the cross though? If you were just to practice taking it now, is it B flat? Mm -hmm. No, it is.
at the softest and softer, you just say it doesn't get very soft. But taking it into the highest height and bringing it down. And learn your range because I'm guaranteeing we're not using our full range of dynamic. You get a sanctuary though, you've got 500 people and they're singing, you think everything's gotta be loud. Well, it doesn't. Why do congregations have to sing everything the same volume? There's, I think if it could be controlled by organ and piano, they're going to sing so They have a beautiful soft range. We just don't get to hear it very much. Most of the hymns are just plowed into. I was sharing last night about how one of my favorite hymns is He Hideth My Soul. There's a moment in that hymn where it builds to that final... Um, It was soft rather than that same, to, to the realization of the, he covers me there with his hand, and then the, oh, wow, he covers me with his hand. And it just makes a difference, even within the context of one hymn. There's studying those words, reading the text, and seeing what that text has to say. I'm a firm believer that we are not doing all we can to interpret hymn text well. We're, we're singing them the way they've always been sung, hymns like he keeps me singing. Even, um, um, he lives. We always tend to think of that as just a joyful joy, but read that text sometime. I almost think that song should be done slower. Uh, it makes me wonder, I wish I could sit with the hymn writers and say, what, were you, what, what did you want? What were you thinking when you wrote that hymn rather than what we have done with it? Um, a hymn like, What a Friend We Have in Jesus, it has such a, a you know, kind of a full... Friend who had known him, a childhood friend, came to visit him. 
he noticed across the little table where, where um, Joseph would rest, uh, his little night table, this crumpled up piece of paper. And he said, what is it? He said, this is the last thing I wrote my mom. That night when the friend went to his bed and Joseph went to bed, the next morning the friend couldn't find Joseph. And he called for him. He sent friends out to find him. His body was laying lifeless in a nearby pond. And to this day, no one's sure if he took his own life or if he had stumbled and fallen in the night. But the friend went to recover that piece of paper. And you know what the words were on that paper? What a friend we have in Jesus. What a privilege it is to carry everything to God in prayer. It's the only song he ever wrote. The words he ever wrote were to what a friend you have in Jesus. And I think maybe people don't know that. They don't know that story, but it changes how I feel when I hear that hymn. I don't feel it in that temple. I, it just it gave it life. It, it transformed that hymn for me. It's important that we know these hymn stories and maybe share these hymn stories before we sing a hymn. And then I think it gives us a pass to be able to change how we do the hymn, how we accompany it. We're given a right because now they know the heart behind the hymn, don't you think? Have you ever shared some of these stories or looked them up? There's several online. I mean, I just tripped onto that one one day looking for what a friend we have in Jesus. I'd always wanted to know about Joseph Scriven, and that's the story of his life. It's a really sad tale but such an incredible hymn that I will never be able to play the same because I know that story. Do you so, know the story behind it as well? With yes. Song? Oh, and that's such a powerful story. Everyone knows that I'm assuming. Yeah. What a tragedy that set up such a powerful story of faith in that hymn. <coughs> all right. Down here I mentioned pitches. And if you're accompanying the choir, let me just kind of jump all over this at this time. Uh, accompanying the choir, it's important that you pay attention to the pitches and that you give them at the level of their entry. I've heard so many choirs when uh, they'll say, let's go back, everybody, let's pick it up at bar 48, and the accompanist goes, mm -hmm. but it's a soft entry. And so that's confusing. Imagine they have to sing, oh, and you just went, I say give the pitches a even a slower tempo if it's setting up an amen or a, a sequence of reverence or something of that nature the pitch should be given and consequently if it's a joyful thing and they're singing a joyful song of prayer give it joyfully give a pitch in the dynamic in the expression of the song in which it's intended don't you agree with that doesn't that make sense you would think it makes sense and i go all over the place and and i hear just the opposite and i think well that's counter to what we need to do because i hear a soft pitch and i want to come in so Maybe that would help our bar come in and solve our wedding Absolutely, it doesn't. And you know what? You become almost a co-director with the choir director because they don't have to sit there and dictate, come in softly. <laughs> you just you you did that. You took care of all that direction for them. Uh, playing the notes, reading the text. We we touched on this in the last session just briefly. Because accompanists, when you look at the music, your eyes go to the accompaniment. You're not even looking at what's above there, what the words are, what, what's happening in the choir. And it's your duty to, to know, to be engaged with what's going on in the choir. In fact, it's why you're doing the accompaniment. You're not doing a piano solo now if you're buying one of these piano books. Yes, that's all you need to worry about. I think 
think the words of if it's a hymn arrangement, you know, think that over. But largely when you're doing a choral, it's for all of us to pull our collective efforts toward conveying the message of that song. We've got to convey the message of that music. How can I help the choir do that? I can help by giving the correct dynamic pitch, by being expressive in how I play it and how I, how I want to convey that music. Uh, I was talking to them earlier about when you have moments in the company where they're not singing, that's your moment to, to rise the dynamic maybe a little bit. And, and so everything is working in concert in a beautiful concert fashion with each other. And it's not choir here, accompaniment here. It's we're all working together in a relationship in harmony. And that, oh my goodness, some of the best choral experiences you'll ever hear are when the instrumentalists are in unison with the choir and everybody's kind of pulling together for the same goal. I, I don't know that I always agree with just accompaniment, everything lower, choir more. I, I think that that is sometimes yes, but sometimes no. Sometimes there's a moment where the choir is not saying the accompaniment can rise and, and be the be the accentuated part for that time. But but it's not dictated just straight across the board that it's always uh, counterbalanced. This is something very important to me, and it's something that I hear a lot in choir rehearsal, but it's supporting the weaker parts, um, like a tenor part. Have you ever had a choral where they didn't here, they couldn't find their entry pitch. Mm -hmm. Lee, has that ever happened to you as Minister of Music? Has happened? Huh. And I have learned that for no additional pay, I can throw them a note. Mm -hmm. And you, sometimes it's just a matter of here I'm in the interlude, uh, and throw them that F that they're not hearing in this chord. There's no F. the back chord or something there's there's a lot of little freebies that you can do and don't wait to be told that uh, sometimes if I hear a question I said Bob somebody said Bob we can't get we're not hearing our pitch I go ahead and make a mental note or I'll take my pencil and circle and just put my eyeballs on it and I say I'm gonna help them and they never miss it again because I'm gonna throw them that pitch they don't sometimes they don't even know what they did it Mm -hmm. I said, yeah, y'all don't know. I, I got them through that concert, you know. And, and then this is a technique I, I talked a little bit last night about, but I want, most of you weren't here, is emphasizing a right hand versus a left hand. Um, when you're playing a tenor part of an anthem, like, a, uh, and he says, we need to hear the tenor, let's sing tenors and basses. It's, it's a good balance to be able to play the tenor, but maybe the other parts in the softer dynamic so that they can hear the whole, like. That takes a little bit of technique and that takes some practice. And a little hint, I'll share this, I shared this with the folks last night, is to practice doing one hand, the tenor, and bringing that out just by itself, and then play the other part as soft as you can play. Can you do that on the keyboard? You could bring out the other parts, and then bring them together. Try to just do this hand without striking the keys. I don't know if you can all see. I'm playing the notes, but I'm not striking them. Now play it. But don't let this hand 
right your brain to do that. That is like playing the organ and doing a trio sonata. You have to, it maybe looks easy. If I brought any of you up here, you'd have trouble with that. But then gradually let that right hand strike, but just ever so gradually. And it will work for the alto. You can do it. But if you do, if you're playing all four parts, it's not helping the altos at all, or the tenor, or any other floating part. You want to emphasize just their part. Practice that technique. Trust me, because it is it's vital, and it's something that. You have to go to one of these classes to hear to do that. Nobody tells you to do that. Uh, it's really, it, and it's, it's easy to do. Once you get the, the brain separated, left and right, you can figure that out. It's a, it's a good thing. Just practice doing one hand without sounding one hand hard. All right, moving on. And, and my kind of takeaway from the whole accompanying the choir is listening. If you'll put that out there by that, accompanying the choir is listening. Accompanying the soloist is, um, is eyes. I think it's watching them. Have you ever accompanied a soloist and, and you have to breathe with them? You have to anticipate where they're going. It's one person. You can't plow ahead when they're gasping for air. You gotta, you'll have to slow down to the moment where they're... Uh, uh, uh. You're going to have to anticipate. They're going to have to breathe. And sometimes I'll kind of mentally sing with them so that I will breathe with them. Because if you plow ahead, you're, you're not doing them any favors, so they're going to be exhausted. And you want them to have their best moment. So if you're, you're going to work with them. And it means totally watching them and getting in the sideline where you can see them, breathe with them. They will, they will physically do that. I'm not a singer, but singers breathe with their heads. No, ah, huh? You can see, do you see that little bit of a thing? Watch my head. Okay, let's see. A sparrow, and I know they they will do that. They will do a lift and a lilt with their head, and that's your cue. So it's a visual. It's watching them and watching how they hold and going with it. They almost conduct with their heads. Most singers do um, that I've ever had to kind of. They don't know it. They do it subconsciously. But I don't know any of you singers. Anybody? We're not. There's another class. Right? Yeah, we're not. 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 It has a lot of great solo things in it, but there's a lot of dynamics that are marked into the music, and it's important that you mark those as well. And I, I really suggest keeping a highlighter handy. You think you see them, but as an editor, I've been a choral editor for 22 years. Oh, I, I don't like the clutter of the wedges, of crescendo wedges and decrescendo, and I tend to write C-R-E-S or D-E-C-R-E-S, which are what? Crescendo, but you don't see them. <laughs> you, you're not aware of them. When we were reading that piece, the choral piece in the last session, I noticed you all didn't crescendo. And I thought, they're not seeing the wedge. You tend to look for the wedge and not for the word. 
the wedge is clearer, but it, it clutters because you have to now put them over the women. The men fuss all those years. We start putting them over the TV. Well, it, it runs into the lines yeah. and the tags, and, and you've got you only spread it so far. You have a certain margin you have to work with. So I just use CRESC, and the problem with that is it, it can go missed. If your vocalist will hear you crescendo, they're going to go with you. They're going to crescendo with you. As was demonstrated in our last class, when we sung that glorify the Lord, as I got bigger, you all went with me, right? You didn't leave me. You had to. The accompanist controls the world. Yeah, the organist, you're absolutely at their disposal. Um, and then I think preparing for the unexpected with solos is a really big deal. They're especially if they're singing by memory. And there's times you better be ready to vamp mm -hmm. because they may not be ready to go back and you can't just keep going. Actually that's true with the choir too. I've had choir with the minister of music just didn't bring them right back in. You can't just go ahead. How about, <laughs> so, how about, how about, how about hymns? Not hymns, but praise choruses where they lost their place or something. Well, and that's the worst because they have so many repetitions. Mm -hmm. You have so many go back, go back, go back. And three times back, we had some of that last night. Were any of you in the choir rehearsal thing and that praise music? It, I was so lost a couple of times, but fortunately the chords were the same. So it wasn't mm -hmm. a big deal. And one time I dropped out. And I looked like I was just dropping out for a thing. I didn't know where I was. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea. And it's all in the attitude. You can go, oh, yeah. I don't know where I am. <laughs> or if you just start singing. <laughs> yeah, it was a cool moment. But, um, uh, speaking of singers, and, and this is something that I want to share with you. This is kind of personal. Uh, not being a singer, but in my church, we have, we have two valid solos. One is a woman who's extraordinarily tra trained. She was, she's one of those that holds her hand when she sings, which I don't know why they do that. I'm not a singer. We had no one here to tell us why. But she is a kind of virtuoso. You know, she, she used to be. She's now about 80 and has lost her virtuosity. Oh. <laughs> Let's just say when she sings, dogs line up around the same. But she, she bless her heart. She gives it all she's got. And it's, I guess, vocally appropriate and all that sort of thing. But we have another gal, totally untrained, named Kanda. She's a young gal. And she's never had a lesson in her life. But when she sings, I weep. There's something about her heart comes out in her song. In a way, I can't even express it. And she's, a, she's the most humble person you'll ever meet. You go up and say, Kanda, you had, I was beautiful. Oh, I'm nothing. You know, she just downplays her ability. And the other ladies are like, thank you. I know, you know, yes, I had a doctorate in voice. And this girl's like, I'm nothing. But when she sings, I worship. Which proves God can use our talents. We don't have to be more haze. We've got to do what we're called to do, each of us, our individual selves, and go be the best us we can be and let God use us. Um, most of you don't know my background, but it's kind of unusual because I have played piano since I was five, but I've never had a lesson in my whole life. I've never had one lesson. Um, I came in from a family of six, and uh, the, I'm the youngest of the six children, so mother worked with the older three in the John Thompson book. Anybody? Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. yeah. All right, there's some moans. I feel like there's, we need to have prayer over John Thompson. <laughs> But uh, 
But the, I, I would listen to what they do, and I could imitate it. Now, my mother had a good ear for music, and so I just, you know, I grew up playing on the old upright piano, and I, I heard that play it. So I have, from a very young age, always played my heart. I play whatever I feel. I think it's what born a composer out of me because the music was all in there. It's just to come out. But over the years, I've met composers who have studied composition. They have masters in composition. They have Juilliard degrees. They have this, that, and the other. And I have nothing. And I think, I feel like I'm unworthy to share a stage with these people sometimes. And, I, and then somebody reminded me that Moses stuttered, but was called to lead the children out of Egypt. And, and David was so small, but he was forced to face the Goliath. And we have all have we all had our Goliaths. We all have people in the world who are going to be maybe in our mind's eye better pianists or better organists or better whatever ministers of music or musicians. Period. But see, God has called you and equipped you to do what He needs you to do. And so you rejoice in that. That's a great thing. And we don't all have to be the star of the show. We don't all have to be the Marqueses and, and you know, the whomever, the Zeno Carsonakuses and who else is it? I don't even, I, I don't follow it as much as I used to, but the Liberacis or whatever. Um, and let them be who they were supposed to be, but we are all called to what we're supposed to be, and, and it, we should be honored to be able to serve God through our gifts. And as I was sharing in the last class, remember, you're the best your church has. You're the best. Then, otherwise, somebody else will be doing what you, you're called to do. Lisa, can I share a short bit? Yeah. Short it's kind of funny. I was out at some point last year for two, two Sundays. And I got back, and, and the first person I saw when I walked in the door was one of these little old ladies that's just precious to me. Yeah. And she said, oh, I'm so glad. See, our, I don't have anybody fill in for me. Our minister of music plays because right. he can play the piano. Right. I mean, he does. He does a good job, um, but he he plays chords. I mean, it's just he reads the lead sheet and plays chords. And she looked at me. She said, "I'm so glad you're back. <laughs> we missed you." <laughs> she said, "Kenny does well, but we missed we you." <laughs> <laughs> and that's why it's good to be encouraged. It's, yeah, it was encouraging, but at the same time, I'm grateful for him. Are you all guilty of maybe? I could play a whole song really good, but if I make one mistake, that one mistake bothers me more mm -hmm. than every yes. note I played right. Yes. Mm -hmm. Is that is that universal? Yes. And it will wear on me. I'm such a perfectionist that I go home and I, oh, oh, I hit that chord. And you just feel like everybody in the sanctuary heard that back. And my, and my husband's like, what? What are you talking about? I, I just hit that horrible chord. I don't know what it is. What chord? Because it was one passing flash to him. To me, it was like, ah! moment and I crucify myself and I don't really believe that's Satan I think he wants to find a moment that he can find us vulnerable and just attack us and you're not good, you're not good you need to not do that, don't you get back out there and play again you need to resign right now don't you go play the piano anymore, you're not good and if you all ever find those battles know where the source is because the devil doesn't want you doing what you're doing and usually use any opportunity he can to discourage you to make you feel like you're not worth anything and it may be just an error. It may be somebody, y'all, I had this <laughs> sweet lady retired in my church. Now, I, for years, I was organist for 10 years. And when I had to step down, she was the former organist. But she's still in the church. Sweet lady, she's still there. She doesn't play at all anymore, but she's well in her 90s. 
she came up to me the Sunday after I played Mozart's Alleluia, you know what? Mm -hmm. ah, da, 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 da. And I played on the organ, well, it gets pretty big. And da 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 and it was just a, a nice big festive moment. And after the service, Ruth came to me and she said, Honey, <laughs> I'll be playing for you next week. And I want to let you know that since today you played something loud, I'm going to do something worshipful. What do you do with that? Wow. What do you do with that? And they're smiling the whole time. You know, they just, well, I said, well, good. Good, because I can worship through the loud. It's okay. And I do. I worship through the loud, the praise. I worship through the song, the beat still. There's, there's room for all in the glory of God's music to, to have the worship in the loud. Don't be afraid to praise Him. Don't be afraid to praise Him with your body, with your physical self, to let that joy show forth. It some may lift somebody to see that you believe what you're doing. And if I watch somebody, I, I do a lot of choirs. I'm with a different choir every weekend. And honestly, folks, sometimes choirs look like they're mm -hmm. suffering constipation issues. <laughs> <laughs> you think there's a whole choir preparing for a colonoscopy? What is this? I mean, they're, they're all in this you know, kind of face, and you're like, Where's the joy? We're singing, sing forth his glorious name. And they're going, sing forth his glorious name. I'm like, well, are you mad about it? You know, and it's important to convey the message of your music, to convey it in your spirit, and, and to come out there with the attitude of joy if you're playing joy, or the attitude of prayer if you're playing a prayer, to convey that. And use your body, use your whole self to convey what you feel on the inside. And I see so many pianists that just... The music goes into their eyes and into their knowledge, their, their brains, and it comes out their hand and it's all mechanically great. But it's not in here. Because I believe that God's music does come into our thought and into our eyes and into our, our head and our knowledge when we recognize the music. But it has to go through a source of our conviction and our soul, our core of who we are. And then that's what effervesces to the top, and that's where we minister. And if people can see us do that, if people can see that we really believe what we play, and we believe it with all of our heart and all of our being, I think they'll be transformed. I think they will worship by watching the pianist, or by listening, rather, to the pianist and hearing the music that came from that. It will touch them in ways that you don't even have to know over. I, I, I love this. I have a special saying that I've come up with for every class, so you can write this one down. My last class, what was it? Who wrote it? Oh, I did. Yeah, what was it? It was about the showman. Don't ever be so consumed by the music that you miss the song. Did you miss That's the song? Fail to hear the song. This one is, I would rather see a song as hear one any day. I would rather see your song as hear because we are in the business of touching the divine. And our music has got to communicate on a level that affects people. I don't want to go do a concert. There's some, get somebody that does concerts. Get the Juilliard guy to do the concert. I don't do concerts. I have no lessons in my life. I have no business doing a concert. I love the Lord with all my heart, all my soul. He gave me this gift, and I'm ready to share it. And when I play, I'm going to give the glory to him. 
It's all about what he's doing. In fact, I love to stand up and tell choirs my story and tell churches my story because I want to sit and know it's not anything I did. I don't have the degrees hanging all over me to sit here and say, give me the praise. Bring, bring the applause. I can't do that because I didn't do it. God did it. And to him goes all the glory. And so if you're ever feeling like, well, I'm not this, I'm not that, I'm not the best this, I have no business being that, realize that, okay, then God can be glorified to who you are. Hmm. And isn't that worth everything? Yeah. Doesn't that change your value? I want you to leave here today feeling like you're valued in God's kingdom for what he's called you to do. What the gift he has given you is invaluable to him. And don't ever feel like you're not worth it. Let others see the song in your life. Uh, real quickly here, uh, accompanying congregational hymns. The first one, I, I, accompanying the choir, I said, was with your ears, right? Accompanying mm-hmm. the solos is with your eyes. Accompanying the congregation is with your mouth. And I challenge you to start singing the words of these hymns when you play these hymns. It's not about these four notes that are underscoring all the hymns or the praise songs. It's about the, the music message that is overriding all of that. And if you can sing them, I like to sing along when I'm playing. Um, it, it changes how the artistry in which I play it. If I'm singing uh, words, forbid it, Lord, that I should boast. I don't want to play that, forbid it, Lord. I, I wrote a song that uh, I did an arrangement years ago of uh, Then Sings My Soul. It's an arrangement of How Great Thou Art. It's been probably one of my best-selling anthems in the last decade. But then I messed with the Christian National Anthem, sorry. <laughs> but, but there's a moment in there where I, I, I did a piece so fast that the dynamic, uh, when, uh, when Christ shall come with shout of acclamation and take me home, what joy shall fill my heart? Then I shall bow in humble adoration. And I wrote it for and so everywhere I go, I, I, I want God to let me live long enough to correct it in every church that's done it. I want that dynamic brought down. It shouldn't be forte. I'm bowing in humble adoration. I'm not bowing in humble adoration. You know, that, it changes the whole, uh, the whole context of that line. And so it's important for you as a company, for ministers of music, to see those lines and to say, and, and to wear it and say, what is this trying to say? And how do we need to wrap it? What kind of wrapping, what kind of framing do we need to put around that word, that line that conveys the message of that text? That is so crucial. And we can help do that. We can control that, folks, from the keyboard. Uh, so with your mouth, you will sing the words of this hymn and rehearse it. Rehearsing the communication of it. I've gone to our ministry music many times and said, Bob, I, it's just my opinion, but I felt like that second stanza, we, could, we need to be softer, maybe go a cappella. Because there's something about the nature of the text that I think we could take the organ. I was the organist. We had a large Schatz pipe organ. Mm-hmm. And I think it just would behoove me to go away for that verse, you know. And, or say, use a piano only or a cappella, but I'm going to drop out. And I would let them know this is what I... And it would be effective because it was my suggestion. He was always really great to, to take my suggestion. And, and I didn't do it all the time, but sometimes I felt very passionate about this needs to go away. Or I felt passionate about, could this just be organ and let me do a free accompaniment? Now, free accompaniments are tricky deals. Have you all ever used them, any of you? Um, I have two different chambers of thought on this. One is, when I'm playing them, 
I love I can I can do some really creative things. But now as sometimes sitting in the pew as an observer, it's the distraction beyond all measure. <laughs> and and I'm sitting there going, Oh no, no, where the reality is <laughs> and, and it's it's too far afield. It makes me wonder if sometimes accompanists or composers have gotten so creative they got a little carried away. You know, they need to stop. Stop the madness. I think there's going to be a line. And if you ever do a free accompaniment, examine it to see if maybe I don't need to do it here. I don't need to do it here, but I'll do this one and I'll do that one. And take about half of the free accompaniment and throw the other half of it away. Uh, some of them, I know how it is the composer, you can get totally carried away with that. And, and before you know it, you, you try to. All right, I'll, I'll just show you a bad example. Throw in another hymn. I need a, a big hymn. A big hymn. Glory to, for, for God be the, to God be the glory. Excuse me. Easy for you to say. Then I need to say. <laughs> to Y'all sing the melody. Can you got what, what key do you want? E flat. To God, to God. That's love. E flat. Well, A flat's a, it's, it's late in the day. Let's go to G. <laughs> G works. Okay, uh, I'm going to get free with you. All right. Is it a momentum builder? Is it too busy? That was annoying. I know. <laughs> anything on this list so far raised any kind of questions? We have about five minutes. Anything? I, I, the last little thing here was underscoring. I'm going to actually skip that. We did talk about that free play in the last session. It should be uh, one thing. Just for those of you that weren't here, we talked about when you're accompanying uh, a free play, and it's maybe if you're underscoring while someone is talking. If it's a male, I tend to, to underscore on the upper range because they're talking in the mid-range. But if it's a woman, I'll tend to because she's talking in the upper range. So I tend to reverse that. Now that's just my, I, I, you can take me, don't, don't make that law, but it's just my opinion that it, it works in reverse depending because you don't want everything in that mid-range. And uh, likewise, when you're accompanying a soloist, don't play their part. Don't play their melody. If they're singing uh, His Eyes on the Sparrow, do something else. You're going to see the melody in the accompaniment, most likely. Don't play that note. 
the solo. So if we're playing their part, then all of a sudden they're going, it just becomes a battle for who, who wins that. And it's kind of an Edith Bunker moment. For them. All right, and I'll spare you my Edith Bunker interpretation. All right, so they're about free play, and um, uh, we talked about the other stuff. I put down the very bottom relationships. This is a team sport, and I think that the that's a good way to kind of wrap all this up. The workability factor, how we work in harmony, is um, a testament to Christ's work within us, with our work with our family. We love in spite of differences of opinion. We love in spite of when one maybe offends us, when Miss Ruth, I still love Miss Ruth, I'll play for her funeral one day and I'll probably play worshipfully. But, <laughs> Um, I love my church. I've been in it 63 years, one church. Wow. I love the mortar in that church. Everything about it, I'm, I'm not moving my membership. I love that church. It's, it's like my family. I'm not leaving my family. I'm not going to turn my back on my family any more than you would. And your church family is the same way. I hear people all the time getting mad. and I'm leaving my church. I'm not going there anymore. I'm mad at that church. People leave church. And, and that's not... That's not what we're called to do. We're called to love. And sometimes it means loving through the differences, loving through the hurts. And it's just another example of life. So if the minister of music does something that offends you, you love them anyway. And for the time God has put you there to serve, serve with a grateful heart, with a, with a heart of love, a heart of understanding and compassion. And you may be times you go home from choir and, you know, you just... Just don't talk to me. I'm just going to sit and stew this off a while. I've driven blocks around the house before, before I've come home or I've gotten home. And Brian said, where are you going? I said, I'm just going to walk this off. I'll be okay. And go for a long walk or something. But there's love at the bottom of it all. Because what we do is about love. And so what, who we do it for, we love. And who we do it with, we should love. It is a team effort. And not one of us is higher or pitched better than the other, even the minister of or the pastor. We're all on the same plane. We are all called to an equal partisan in this ministry. So I pray that God will just bless you as you seek to serve him in any capacity that uh, he calls you to. Any questions or anything at all? We'll say a prayer and send you on your merry way. You've been on your merry way. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much again for this time together tonight. I pray that... Um, uh, though we haven't known all the needs that are in the hearts of these people tonight, that, Lord, something has maybe triggered a thought or triggered uh, a nerve or something that they needed to hear. And my prayer, Lord, is that you will keep us all with open minds and open hearts to be receptive to the thoughts, to the music, to the guidance, the leadership, to the inspiration of this music, that our passion will, will be increased, that we will leave here with, with renewed fervor to serve you better through our, our meager offering. And we thank you for the gift. We thank you that you can use us in spite of ourselves so much, and you can use us in ways we don't even envision. We thank you for that. Thank you for loving us, for giving us chance after chance to, to prove ourselves to you and to be the best we can be for you. We love you. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all. Have a great rest of your evening.